Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Everybody, welcome back to the podcast, Confessions of a Creative Director. I am your host, Jaime Cabrera. Welcome, everybody. Uh, if you're tuning into the podcast, chances are you are a uh, an aspiring creative director, or maybe you're a creative director now who's looking for some inside information, the scoop on the way other creative operate, other creative directors operate, or maybe you're kind of wanting to commiserate, whatever it is, you are welcome here. And thanks for tuning in. Tell your friends, by the way. Be sure to tell all your creative friends about this podcast so that we can uh, grow the audience. On today's show, a very special episode, I have Executive Creative Director Aaron Duffy, uh, who works for a unique agency called Special Guest. He's going to tell us a little bit about... um, about sort of the way they they see the world. But I definitely recommend you Googling that, special guest. Look them up, really cool shop. And I also want you to look up some of Aaron's work because he is a very accomplished uh, director as well. He's produced uh, some commercials and music videos and all kinds of uh, amazing content that you have to see. As a matter of fact, right now, I want you to go to the YouTube uh, and I want you to look up a couple of things. The first one is an ad for Google called Parisian Love Story. And you probably remember this ad. Uh, it was a Super Bowl spot a, a few years ago. He tells us a little bit about that, how that came to be. But it's an amazing spot that really just uses the Google interface, some sound effects, some really well-crafted um prompts that you see being typed into the search bar. I mean, it's amazing. And it really changed the way uh, that Google tells stories. And really, I've seen this kind of technique uh, lifted by other folks. So uh, he kind of pioneered that. Um, Also, I want you to look up the music video for written um, writing on the wall by OK Go. You know OK Go, right? They do those amazing videos. Aaron has directed one of those videos. I want you to look at that. Look at those before you go on with the rest of the podcast, just to kind of give you a sense of who this guy is, because he's a different kind of creative director. So without further ado, let's get into it with Aaron Duffy. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Really good. Hi, hi, Mike. Thank thank you for having me on this. Oh man, thank you. I really appreciate it. Uh, kind of kind of a big get for me. I uh, I heard you on Chris Doe's uh, podcast, and I, I really uh, enjoy that. So thank you for uh, making the time to uh, join the show. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm sorry it took us a sec to get this um, scheduled, but I'm happy to be here. And also, it gave me a chance to listen to your conversation with Chris as well. So that was that was great. 
Yeah, that was that was definitely a, a good one, and I'm super excited to, to talk to you. So um, I've kind of set you up in the in the intro of of the podcast, but for those folks uh, listening at home, just kind of give us a kind of an overview of of your career path, how you got to where you are. You've got a super fascinating story, so just kind of give us the uh, the thirty second version of Aaron Duffy's uh, path to greatness. Okay. So as of today, I'm the co-founder and ECD of a, you might say a boutique creative agency called Special Guest. We're based in Brooklyn, but these days it's no no basis for location. I've also for the past 15 years been a director on roster at a production company called First Ad Machine. And I really got started in all of this as a director. So um, when, when I turned 23 some some time there I was the first director brought on roster at first Ave and in the in that time that we were directing things we kept on wanting to work earlier and earlier in the process you know than just say taking on the boards you know as a director and and shooting the boards um, right and so then more and more, agencies started bringing us in earlier in the process then brands were coming to us earlier in the process for coming up with ideas and we thought we really like the way first ave is as a production company maybe we we start me and my partners we start a business where we try this creative agency thing and um it's been quite a wild journey and there's been lots of ups and downs and shifting our and pivoting and things like that. But um, it's, it's really been kind of the most amazing experience um, to, to get to do that. So that's like roughly the 32nd version of what I do and where I came from. I love it. And the reason why it's called special guest is because you, you kind of have a little bit of a different model. If I understand it, you're sort of working directly tell us a little bit about how it's, how it's different. Cause I think it's a little bit different than a traditional agency. Yeah, sure. So the a couple things I think are different. Um, one of the things is, you know, like that story I just told, we come from very much a production background, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you might say centered a little bit more in like video campaign world, right. although we, we do a lot of event work uh, as well, um, especially in the la- a lot of virtual event work in the past couple of years. But the having that production background, what was happening a lot in the early days of special guest is that in-house creative teams were wanting kind of an in-between, you know, like kind of wanting a agency to help them develop the campaign or ideas, but also really just wanting to talk to the people who are going to make the final work and had a reel, you might say, that proved that they could do that really well. And so, uh, in those early days where it was really just, you know, me and, and production support and account person in the really early days, then they were kind of talking to the director and the founder of the company and everyone all at once. And that really like streamlined the process. Today, things are not, you know, as pointed as that, you might say, but that sort of was something like the way that we looked at it is that we saw ourselves as a special guest to the process of our clients who had their own in-house creative process going on and wanted to kind of ingest us for a moment for the time being to work on the campaign. So um, that's that's um, a little bit of what makes us different 
on that end. And then, sorry for the noise. Is that, is that coming through? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Sorry. It's real right. life. This um, is real. <laughs> it's real life. We're, we're all, we're at home. Everyone knows the drill. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the production part of it is, is one big part of it. I would say, um, another aspect of it is, is the last thing that I mentioned, which is that we are kind of agile and small and nimble enough to almost become part of the teams, whether it's an in-house creative team or marketing team at the brand, uh, and really work on a almost like integrated level, you might say with, with what, uh, they're doing at the brand. So we're not, you know, you've, you've been talking to some creative directors that are at quite amazing big shops and stuff like that. That's, we're amazing, but not big. That that's the we're 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 small and nimble. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty great. So when you're working in that way, it must change the dynamic, right? Because sometimes, right, working uh, in the traditional way, it's kind of a not an us versus them, but it's kind of siloed. So do you feel like you have a different uh, dynamic with with the clients? You feel more like an embedded team. It sounds like. You know, that's that's always the goal. I can't. I can't say that that's a hard thing to do, you know, to figure out it. I can't say it always happens exactly the way that I always want it to happen. And in some cases there's things going on on the brand side that they can't really share. Right. We can't, we can't be in every room necessarily, but I think there, there is the feeling on their end that we're really focused on them because we're not, you know, this big place that's doing dozens of, projects at once and things like that. We, we really do focus on the couple of projects that we have going on with our clients. And because the production process is so woven in, it makes us that much more integrated on a sort of day-to-day level a lot of times. So I, I, there is definitely situations where I wish it could be more integrated. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it, it, it works pretty well. And, and um, I think the, our clients like that a lot. Excellent. So seeing as how you, you sort of came up as, a, as a, uh, a director and then shifted into being a creative director, how would you describe the role of, of being a creative director, right? Because it's, it's different. So how would you describe it now that you've, you know, kind of entered that world? Yeah, I mean, this is something even as some creative directors that we've had on our team that have come from bigger shops, you know, the the the, the bigger agencies, I've had to sort of reconcile my ideas of what a creative director are with the way that we've developed it on the special guest side. I think because I've never actually worked at a traditional creative agency, the way that we always look at a creative director on our end is that the process and the ideas need leadership. They need to be kind of like cradled in a way. And, and someone needs to be finding the North star all the time. And that's really, that's what I would do as a director. It's what we kind of do as a creative director as well. They're just different parts of the, the creative arc, you know, as a director, everyone's looking to you, to see what are we doing next? What are we shooting next? Like, was that right? We just shot that. Was that, did you, was it right? No one really knows. The director is going to say, yeah, that, that looked right to me or or the client's going to say, no, do it again. But the, I think that, but on a much higher level, higher strategic and 
conceptual level is what we're doing as creative directors on the special guest side and really trying to lead in the best way that we can. So it, it, to me, it really all comes down to that. And what makes a great creative director or what I'm always looking for on our end is someone who can not just do that for our team, you know, leading our team, but the, that the client sees that person as mm. a leader as well, that they really look to them for that guidance and handholding. And there's not that many people that work on our team. So a lot of people end up being quite client facing. Um, there's very few people who are not client facing on our team and the client really needs to look to that person and say, Oh, that, that's my leader and person's going to lead the charge on that. So if I ask, you know, people, clients or folks that work at the agency to describe your style as, as a creative director, what do you think they would say? Are you more sort of, you don't strike me as being sort of prescriptive. You see more big picture, more North star, just like you mentioned, but how would they describe your, your leadership style? He laughs. He laughs. Yeah. If they listen to this, I'm inevitably going to, they're going to be like, no, that's not it. So I, um, it, you, you, the, the best way I can put it is it might depend on the, the work that we're doing. If it's something that is very close to my world as a director, I'm going to inevitably be very hands on, um, like hopefully not annoyingly so, but, um, pretty integrated in the process and, and a little less, I know you, you talked about this with Chris a lot and I thought it was really helpful for me to listen to, you know, Chris, Chris Doe's answer, um, about, you know, how he was, was it over the waterfall or, you know, very like hands-on and things like that. And so for things that are very much in my wheelhouse creatively, I'll be very hands-on, but everything else I actually am really looking for people whose wheelhouse a- applies to that particular project. We're we're doing a couple things right now that really like are not in you know my core necessarily, but I'm there to sort of lead the people that are really great at those things. Like right now, we're doing an event that is very fashion based mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. And I, I'm I wouldn't be the right exact creative mind for that but i can see where the creative value is going to be and what's going to make it really great and can can help those team members make it great that's great i love i love that idea of you know being able to kind of identify what the creative value is and then driving everybody towards that um you you know in 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 listening to you and reading about you you're a, you're a maker you're like a you you like physicality you like that kind of thing you know and and we'll talk about this a little bit uh more um as we go on here but i'm curious like i would love to get inside your brain and understand what your creative process looks like cuz i imagine that you know you're visualizing even if you're concepting i'm just making this up but let's say you're concepting for a you know a, a content piece or something you're thinking in sort of physicality you're thinking in like real things and mechanics and i watched a, a bunch of your videos and they're amazing but tell me a little bit about what your creative process is like to get to you know any idea and 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 really maybe an idea that kind of is not in your wheelhouse like how do those things factor in if that makes any sense 
Yeah, we talk about this a lot in the when when we're just getting to a project that the creative value or the opportunity is is maybe not always showing itself very clearly right at the beginning, or you think you know what it is, but it, it's something else. And we try and be open minded in the early stages. So the the my creative process is very much about trying to be open minded or have perspective in that way about where could the potential come from. Um, and so everything, I, we talk a lot about this sort of spark that a project can have. And sometimes it's, it's the visuals, you know, the create the creative visuals, but other times it might actually be the process itself. That's the big, mm. you know, creative opportunity or the people that are involved or, you know, the, it might be that there's a new junior team member who ends up being, amazing for this and the big creative opportunity is actually that i don't think it's the most creative thing but she does and she just thinks it's she can see this thing and then for me she's like ends up being the spark for that so i think the 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 finding the creative value at the beginning uh is 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 sort of important and then it becomes about just protecting and and trying to grow that spark in a way and 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 that's different every time. I just went to the special guest website because I meant to ask you about this. Um, I, I love the way that you describe uh, the agency, and I'm just going to read this to you. See if you can kind of elaborate uh, in in on this a little bit because it kind of ties in. I should have done this earlier, but uh, it says special guest is a creative agency focused on innovation and communication. Together, we will find what is special about your company and invent the smartest way to talk about it invite us into your world. So that's, I mean, that's kind of uh, sort of a, a way to summarize what you mean by finding that creative value. Is that accurate? I think that's super accurate. Yeah, that, that is, that is always what we're, we're looking for. And, you know, like I said earlier, because we come from a little bit of a more production background, sometimes it is that visual thing, but the exciting thing for me about getting into special guest is we are now thinking about finding that in all sorts of ways that are not necessarily visual or some kind of like video technique or, or something like that. So, um, but yeah, I, 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 it's, it's nice to have that actually read back <laughs> to me. Cause like, we're, I'm, I'm always wondering like, how are we talking about ourselves? Are people understanding what we do and stuff like that? So that, yeah, it, it, it really struck me. Um, and I wanted to kind of have a follow-up question to that is I like this idea that you're, you know, that you're saying you're kind of finding what's special about the brand. Do you run into a situation where sometimes you're pointing out something about a brand that the brand may not recognize and they, they maybe feel like, well, wait a minute, I don't know if that's really us, or I don't know if I want to talk about that. And how does, how do you, how do you sort of work that out? Yeah. I mean, the, the, what I always think is the most amazing thing about the kind of work that we get to do or that, you know, you, you've had the chance to do in so many ways and Chris and people like that is we have a sort of creative skill set, but we're welcomed into rooms and places that we would otherwise have no business being in. Like, for example, one of our clients is um, TSMC. It's super B2B, people don't know it. It's the Taiwanese semiconductor manufacturing company. No one knows them, but they all, all um, smartphones pretty much have their semiconductors in them. It powers pretty much everything. And 
no one gets to go in their factories. They're actually mostly run by robots. But uh, we got to go in there and tell stories in those places and and figure out new ways of talking about what they do that in their engineer minds never would have been something they would think about. But that's what they're inviting us in there to do. Now, we can't... You, we can overstep on that sometimes or get it wrong. I mean, we're right. inevitably going to get it wrong. The, we, I don't know the first thing about, you know, the, the technical ways that they, right. they figure out how to fit millions of transistors on a one centimeter by one centimeter space. You know, like there's just insane things going on there. But I think they're a good example because they have come back to us since 2013 year after year to do this thing that we do and knowing that we get it wrong sometimes, but we, we work through it together. And that's why I always hope that, that, that process of like being invited in is possible. Uh, I think the ad agency world does have moments where it doesn't work a, a, a lot of times. I think there's, a kind of argument about who gets to be creative sometimes and and the assumption is not the client but but that's i think that's just not true really i i think actually like if i could be wrong about this too but i often think that if if more people could spend more of their day doing something creative they would right and i think that's kind of like a natural human thing to want to be able to do sometimes it's kind of suppressed like at early ages people are not sort of that's not encouraged very much so so it, it's it's sort of like pushed down but I kind of find that it's the best part of most of our clients days even if what they do centrally is is you know engineering or, or something like that so I think the 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 main answer to that is yeah we 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 are told that it's not right um, every once in a while, but I think hopefully there's enough time in the schedule to reconcile that because that's what we were asked to do in the first place. And we, we try and get it right as quickly as we can or as efficiently because, you know, money's involved too, but, it, but it, it does present the opportunity to come up with unexpected things. Right. Because, uh, and we had, we had a situation like this when we used to work with, uh, with LG, right, where they were, they wanted to promote these very technical aspects mm -hmm. of of their product, and um, someone on our team was like, "Well, that's that's not really the story. The story here is what it what it enables, right?" And and in this particular case, they were it was about a sports sponsorship, and we said this technology really what it allows you to do is view view the sports in a much more dynamic sort of way because the technology is smoother it looks better and it at and then at the end of the, that it makes you sort of a better fan right so that yeah. was really the story right so they're focused on kind of the the widgets and the and the all the technical specs but it's like well it's really about that it's going to make you a better fan and that's what people get excited about so um that's that's, that's a cool story um it, it Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I, I was going to say that I, I think there's there's an argument there for outside perspective uh, as much as possible. That every, I think even on the special guest side, you know, we didn't we didn't come up with our logo and stuff like that internally. We probably could, but 
it was really hard. And I think we probably would have got it wrong. So we reached out to a, a designer that we love to do that externally, the same way that I think our brands do. Mm. Maybe a lot of our brands that have in-house creative teams, but also want that outside perspective, someone who's kind of, it's okay for them to get it wrong because internally getting it wrong is uncomfortable, you know? Um, and, and so I, I think there, there's a good argument for that. At the same time, I, I really believe that the growth of like in-house creative is kind of a, a, a good thing actually at large. But um, I, I wanted to, I, I, I agree with what you're saying that, um, you know, uh, in the LG example, you know, coming and telling people, oh, you, you might not have thought about it this way is is really what what the value is in having an external team like that. Yeah. Let's jump into that thought, though, uh, in terms of how you think, you know, things are changing and, and you know, sort of the, the rise of these internal sort of creative groups. What, what do you think is happening there? Or what is what does the future look like? Well, it's it's a very uh, natural thing from our perspective, because when when I was directing uh, only directing before special guest existed, we were mostly getting contacted by these in-house creative teams, especially the early days of Google Creative Lab, which I think is kind of the the prototypical in-house creative team. And that didn't feel that different than being contacted by an agency at the time. Uh, it was sort of early days. But I think more and more, you know, we the, the in-house team at Snapchat, the in-house team at Spotify, the in-house team at Meta, you know, all these places we have had the chance to work with. And I, I think it's actually pretty amazing. It is a lot of these tech companies, you know, that, that um, I think have really strong in-house creative team. It's not only uh, tech, but I think it ends up working really well there because there's kind of a culture of potentially fail quickly kind of attitude mm. to come up with creative yeah. ideas at these places already before even having an in-house creative team as part of the, either the coding culture or, or you know, software development culture or something like that. So it, it applies fairly well, I think, to in-house creative teams. But I also see even aside from whether it's tech that for people who are not even on the in-house team, in-house creative team that that also work at these companies, you can see the halo effect that the rest of the company has from this sort of creative engine inside the company. And it, it comes back to, again, this, this belief that everyone has a sort of creative core somewhere in there, I think, and wants to be not maybe not making things, but just involved in, in creative thinking that it's like good for our brains and, and would like to do that more often in some capacity. And so I think having these in-house creative teams has that sort of added benefit aside from doing the actual messaging work or, or things like that, that are going on. And so I, I see that as sort of a big, uh, and we, we know already it's a big trend, you know, that, that in how there's more and more in-house teams um, growing and, and, and more and more companies. And to me, as much as that can be threatening to someone who's starting or making, you know, a creative agency, I also just generally think that's a good thing to be happening. More and more creative 
positions in the world at more places doing different things is generally a good thing. If I step back and say, well, my, my hope for the world is more creative. Like Chris Doe, you know, he has that goal, right. Of like help, I think helping, is it a billion? A billion. Yeah. A billion people. A a billion people like live their creative life, something like that. And, and that's, Chris is doing that as, as one person. I, I like, I, I like to think that maybe just working with these in-house creative teams and making great work with them and is, is part of helping that along in its own way. Yeah. And I don't know if you've, I don't know if you're a fan of um, uh, Daniel Pink and he writes a a book uh, called um, a whole new mind, I think it's called. Right. And he talks Mm -hmm. about how really create creative thinking and people that think creatively um, you know, are, are sort of going to be the next big leaders because a lot of the things that were required on the other side of the brain, the analytical stuff, some of those things are becoming commoditized, right? But sure. what you can't really, um, the creativity is is so sort of, you know, um, it's just so different, right? That every company really, as you just mentioned, could benefit from being more creatively led, right? Because I think that's, where all the future innovation is coming from as, as people sort of move away from the analytical stuff and let AI do that or let, you know, um, but, but it sounds kind of like, is that kind of the way that you see things as well? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, in, in part, it's, it's kind of like its own insurance policy for, for companies um, uh, that if, if they've invested in, in a sort of creative engine that when you need to pivot and, and come up with ideas, you can, um, you know, that's, I, I, I think it's related to, but also different than the marketing, you know, needs of a company that I think a lot of times the, the, the creative internal creative teams are generated for the marketing purposes, but I think it has, has a halo effect. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, you could look at you, I mean, you could apply that, that, that creative thinking to probably just about anything, right. In terms yeah. of how you, you know, pricing, uh, coming up with some really innovative pricing model or coming up with, you know, Mm -hmm. looking at something and thinking more, uh, maybe thinking about it more as like a, this is more of a subscription than a traditional, you know, model or whatever. I mean, there's, you can really apply that creative thinking just to, to just anything really. Definitely. Um, What's, what's something that you dislike about, being a creative director. One of the things that I'm trying to do is, is sort of write a book, right? I, I, I've decided that I, that there needs to be some kind of, uh, and I haven't seen it, but maybe it exists, but there needs to be some kind of book that helps someone that's about to become a creative director. Cause I know I could have used something like that just to kind of give them some, um, you know, some thinking and some things to be thinking about as they move into this role. And one of the sections that I realized I hadn't really talked to anybody about is what do you dislike about being a creative director. I know I'm excited about the book. I, I've, I've heard you talk about it. I, yeah. so I, the, the things that I dislike, I have to admit are just really important parts of the job. So it's, I'm going to sound a little bit, um, you know, vacillating on this, but I, I'm, I don't think I'm great at sort of dealing with the sort of like drama or emotions of the sort of uh, team relations and things like that. And, and I, I just don't have a ton of patience for it, but I need to, I, I I think it's part of being a leader, you know, like we were talking about earlier 
And I, I know I need to be more patient, but it's definitely part of the job that I don't like. At the same time, I would never be the person to come in saying like, cut, cut it with, cut out the drama and the emotions because what makes us good creatives is our kind of emotional approach to things in a way. Sure. And I think that maybe is another thing that like sort of differentiates, you know, creative work in a way is we, we sort of pour ourselves into it more emotionally and, you know, there's our, our artist side and our strategic and conceptual side. And I think everyone brings some kind of baggage to that. So it's kind of an important part of it too, but I, I just, I, I don't enjoy dealing with that aspect of it. You know, like I, 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 I wish I was better at it or maybe I, I need to find a way to get better at it. And, and when you, uh, not, not to, not to probe too much here, but is it about sort of like the team dynamics or like, you know, is it about people sort of uh, feeling hurt about you not liking their ideas or that kind of thing? Or what, what is yeah. it specifically? It, it, it could be, it could be a little bit of that, or it could be a reaction that some team members have to something that a client said, you know, um, something that I try and, bring up every once in a while or, or think about is the um, the process of coming up through art school and and coming up through the critiquing system really is an important part of my upbringing where we were in rooms just doing drawings and having, you know, shitting on each other's drawings, you know, and that was part of the class, you know, you're supposed to do that it's not fair to say shitting on it, but, but like trying to give sure. constructive feedback. But when you're a freshman in art school, you're not used to that. You're not necessarily yeah. brought up with that. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of tears in the room in the yeah. early days of art school and people not realizing what they got into was this kind of weirdly constructive and competitive and emotional space where you just spent like three nights in a row doing a drawing and now the teacher and all of your classmates are in there with that up on the wall and talking about it. And, and then you learn it over a couple of years being in art school, but then you get into the working world and you realize that a lot of your clients have not been through that critiquing system. And as, especially if they, you know, might've come up through B school or, or something yeah. like that. And they ne- neither necessarily know exactly like how to give that, that, uh, that feedback or critique and, or how to take it. And, and now we really have the potential for like emotional bombshells, you know, and, and I think it, it happens and we can't all of a sudden take like four years of critiquing system education and put it into a three month project or, you know, like a year, even a year long relationship with a client, we need to, be like sensitive to it. And my team needs to be sensitive to it, their team. And, um, and it, 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 it creates like emotional situations that I find sometimes don't necessarily help get us to the best creative, uh, ending, but also maybe are sometimes part of what create good creative work. So it's, I, I, I sort of highlight that as like what I find to be very difficult about like being a creative leader and sometimes what I don't like, but know is necessary. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I wonder, cause I never went, you know, I, I went to school for uh, radio, television, film production, and I don't recall there being any kind of like formal critiquing system. And, and, and I probably would have benefit benefited from it because I know that now I'm in a pretty good spot where I, I kind of just like, I'm sort of like, I take all the feedback and I don't take it personally, but I could see how, you know, that would have been super beneficial for somebody coming up, uh, you know, to, to, to learn about that. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a, for, for people out who, who, um, like, uh, some friends of mine I know who are in finance and things like that, I, I can tell, um, there's like a difference in how you learn things in art school, obviously, and how you learn things in, in other, um, disciplines, but maybe there is some form of like similar critiquing system in those areas. It just sort of manifests in a different way. Uh, I I'm, I'm not here saying necessarily that people have to have that background. I just, I, I try and remind some part, some of the team members who did come up with that and some of the team members who didn't come up with it to be like sensitive to it. So Right. So that we um, we we remember that not not everyone has a sort of critiquing system um, mindset. So when you come and give a critique of something, just remember like you you know you need to critique it, but that person is not used to receiving that critique. You know, uh, yeah. And and we need to be prepared for that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a short little break, and we'll be back with more of Aaron Duffy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, and we're back with Aaron Duffy. So I kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but t- tell us about some of the, the things that you like to do outside of uh, uh, creative work. This is, well, I guess it's creative work as well, but tell us what you like to do outside of your day job because it's super, super fascinating. Yeah, one of the things that kind of spontaneously happens, uh, it's like something I end up either sketching or thinking about is I love illusions and it has worked its way into a lot of projects and sometimes clients do, and my directing work especially, come for some kind of illusion or perspective shifting kind of work. But in my in my off time, let's say, I end up thinking about that a lot too. And it's sort of manifested in these kind of masks and sort of ways of looking at the human body in different ways or, or, or the face. And one of the things I've found really interesting in more recent years is that there's been a sort of parallel between 
uh, augmented reality sort of facial changing that that people have created and some of the things I've been thinking about in a very physical way. So using a lot of mirrors and ways of dividing up um, the face and making things that are meant to be symmetrical, asymmetrical. And, and um, that's just something that I think naturally, if I just let my mind wander, naturally just starts coming up. And so I've, I've spent a lot of time making little, little art projects like that. So that's like one of the, and then one, one of those in particular made its way into an OK Go music video that, that I directed years and years ago. And I didn't expect that, you know, I was just making this little art project and it ended up being like a Halloween costume that my, my wife and I were making. And then, then not long after that, OK Go came wanting to do a music video and I was like, oh, we should use this in here. So it's kind of fun to have like those weird little things being made in the off time work its way into, into the actual, you know, directing or creative directing work. And then, um, I also have always loved crocheting and, and, you know, making thing physical things like that. And, um, that's, that's another thing I've spent a lot of time on. Yeah. And what, what, what song is it on the, for the, for the, okay, go music video. I'd love for people to, to check that out. Yeah, that that song is called "Writings on the Wall," and it's 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 in a warehouse. They've done a couple of like warehouse single right. take music videos like that. That, but it's in a warehouse that we shot in in Bedsty, and it's a sequence of about twenty one illusions that the band sort of makes their way through from beginning to end of the song. That's cool. And how did how did that project come through? Is that um, they just seek you out based on some of the things they had seen you do, or you know that that's actually interesting too because we I in in my early directing days I had I had worked on the launch of Google Chrome in the U.S. market, and this is going to sound so old. Early days of Google Chrome, yeah, and um, that work did include some little bits of illusion work and the, the, the there was a creative director at bbh at the time um uh pella sojanella i can't never remember how to pronounce their names properly they're swedish but the um he was good friends with the a creative director that was actually working with okay go at the time and so that that music video work came through commercial work and it, it so often goes the other way around where you do yeah. some directing work and it leads to commercial work, but that's actually never been the case for me. It's always been commercial work leading to other things and kind of like it that way. That's, that's very cool. Um, if you weren't, um, well, actually, I think I already asked you that in a different way. So I'm going to skip that one. No problem. So if you had to say, um, you know, what's been the, the, the greatest lesson that you've learned for a mentor? Again, you know, a lot of, I think, a, sort of a lot of up and coming uh, creatives are listening to this, to this show and looking for those words of wisdom. So what, what's the greatest lesson that you've ever picked up from a, from a mentor? So I had a video professor in college this was an elective course because the school I went to didn't have a kind of motion media education. Um, and, and so 
it was kind of an amazing class to be able to do this guy, Pierre Martin, it was like a video artist and was teaching video production and, and, um, storytelling and things like that. And one of the things I always remember that he would talk about is he would always tell this story. I don't know where the story comes from. I'm sure I should be crediting it and finding who, who's the original storyteller, but it's a story of someone who has lost their keys in the dark and is looking on the ground for the keys and there's a, there's a lamppost. And so there's a little bit of light being shed so they can see, you know, where, where they're searching. And then a bystander comes by and, and is trying to be helpful and, and trying to help look for them as well. And so they're looking and they're looking and the bystander says, are you sure that you dropped the keys in this area? And the person says, probably not, but this is where the light is. <laughs> and everywhere else is dark. And I always think about that story because I think, it it inevitably comes up in the work that we're doing all the time where I realize that we're only looking in the light and there's all these other looking by looking, I mean, you know, concepting or, or strategically thinking or, or things like that. And, and if, if our main value is in, like we talked about earlier, I may like talk um, clients coming to us for these alternative right. ways of thinking, then we're not really doing, them much service by just looking in the light. They can look in the light too. And so I think we just have to wade into the dark sometimes and like try and come up with things a little bit more unexpectedly. And this has kind of been the case in a lot of work that if I think retroactively, things that were successful were things that I actually really was not sure were going to work very well or had very little um, certainty that they were going to be come out the way that I expected them to come out. One of the most important projects in, in my portfolio these days is this Parisian love Google yeah. commercial. And when it, when I, I told Christo this, that when, when I, when it first was finished, I did not like you it. You didn't like it. Yeah. It was, I heard that. I thought it was really sappy and, and, and I, and I, I think it turned out it turns out to be one of the most important things for for my career and for special guests because a lot of people come knowing that work and so you you just I, I try and remember that and remind the team that um, we have to be like open minded in that way and I wouldn't say that today I just love it necessarily because it's been good for us financially or things like that but I've come to understand better what I was missing at the time. And um, how to maybe apply that thinking of looking in the dark a little bit more um, to new things that are coming to us and, and know that I, we don't have all the answers necessarily. Yeah. And I'll, um, uh, I'll provide a, a, a link or, or specify where you can find that because I, I, I love that, that spot. And that actually was a spot that was more, mostly going to be sort of like a, a promotional or an internal piece and it ended up being a Super Bowl spot, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 So that's another good example of just not knowing, you know, where something is going to go. We, we, it was meant to just go up on YouTube, right. you know, um, maybe the creative lab was sort of just testing things out at the time, but, but today, not only was it a, a Super Bowl commercial, which was fun, but they still do storytelling right. that way today. It really, it really kind of like established a style of, of storytelling 
And, and I wish I could say that that was our strategy. You know, that was our goal to like, let's figure out Google's storytelling methodology for the next decade. And it just wasn't right. You know, like that no, no one could say that. And, and, um, it turned out to be the case. And I think that's why we need to like, keep trying different creative things. There, there was a lot of people looking at what we were doing and saying like, that's going to be really boring Yeah, just to, just to, to focus on only on the interface. I, I thought it was going to be really boring, you know, but, but we, we did it and we tried it. And, and I think that's kind of the, the mindset we need to have. Yeah. So I, I love analogies, right? So I just want to take a step back and, and, and talk about the, the, what you just talked about, the keys in the dark. In, mm-hmm. in your mind, what is the lamp, right? In other words, <laughs> it, do, you, do you kind of make that analogous to a creative brief, to some kind of little insight? to the creative process? Like, what would you, what would you make the lamp be? Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. No, no, I, let, let's, let's start out the, the metaphors. The, the, um, the lamp and the light that shed is our understanding of what is advertising, you might say, in this context. That we are, we are looking in the light. By that, I mean, we're solving problems with a known advertising solution and the, whether that's a conceptual strategic or visual solution. And I think when, when, what I mean by realizing that the keys might not be there, uh, they might, they might be in the dark is that the solution we're looking for, it might be something that isn't in the kind of, methods that we know for, for advertising and, and, um, how to make things. And there's another sort of, uh, talk that I, I used to give that was called running into problems that was all about, and this was, this is more in a production kind of world, but it's, it's more about the way in production we're so aware of the pain uh, of doing certain production processes that it inevitably guides us towards um, templatized solutions right. um, uh, creatively and, and, and visually and production wise, where sometimes we need to sort of realize like, oh, maybe that's good because it's really hard to do. And, and, and maybe it hasn't been done and because it's, it's really hard to do. And that, can be kind of like painful at first, but then you find other solutions for how to do that hard thing in, in a, in an unexpected way. And the fact that it was hard actually produces a very like unexpected result. And so that, that's, that's like an example of looking in the dark um, is like, well, let's, let's embrace that. This is going to be really hard, uh, really hard to make. I don't, I don't want to say expensive because that's a whole other part of the industry. We are constantly obviously needing to grapple with, but I just mean, um, like a um, a kind of monotonous way to create something. Yeah. You know, it's it's part of what I love about crocheting is is um, you are doing this very repetitive action over and over again. It's almost mind numbing, but it does eventually, you know, make something potentially really beautiful. And I, I think there's some like processes and and conceptual things that we could embrace like that yeah. too. So we've come to that uh, that time in the show where it's you know it's time to pay off the title, right? Confessions of a, a creative director. So this is your opportunity to, to confess to something, get it off your chest. What what would you say that is? 
Yeah, the the in some ways we've kind in we've kind of covered it. I I've listened to a couple, you know, uh, of other folks giving confessions yeah. to you in the booth in the booth here. Uh and one of the things I've heard come up is is that kind of um can't remember the one that I just listened to where he said that the confession is um having that um what do you, what did he call it? Um, Are you talking about the imposter syndrome stuff? Imposter yeah. syndrome. Number imposter one confession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Number one confession. So I don't want to, I don't want to go there exactly. The, the real confession is, is that I'm a director in creative director clothes. And I think that is just something that I think is okay. I, 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 I confess it maybe, even though it's obvious to some of our clients, you know, that, that that's what they're coming for, that they're coming for something different and that, that can be a good thing. But I think we're, we, we come at our work and the things that we make in a very uh, um, different angle, I think. And it, it, it is in part coming from, you know, being a, a director um, at my core and thinking like a director and then applying that to being a creative director. And I've worked as a director, I've worked with a lot of creative directors who have come to me saying like, Oh, how do I get into directing? And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like, we're like passing, we're like doing, we're, we're passing each other in a way. And, and I, I understand why they want to do their thing. I want to, I want to, I've always wanted to get beyond the directing because I love the idea of making and, and those kinds of processes. So like having my cake and eat it too is, is really the most amazing thing, but it's, it's a bit of a confession only because I think that's not really something that I can change, you know, um, about myself necessarily, but I think we can, we're still creating a, a successful creative agency. So do that. you find yourself, um, let's say when you're talking to a potential new client, do you find yourself kind of like, not warning them, but saying like, Hey, keep in mind, I'm, I take a different approach to, to being a creative director that may be a standard. Do you find yourself sort of not, not to, what sort I'm looking for, not apologizing, but you saying like, Hey, I kind of look at things a little bit differently yeah. so that you sort of set the expectation that you're not what they might expect of a creative director. I think so far we've been really lucky that we've, this this is not the case all the time, but we've been pretty lucky that the clients that we've had these really great relationships with know that a little bit already. So there isn't necessarily the need to do that, and that we we know what they're coming for. Um, I, I we of course are always telling people, you know, what is different about us and how how we can work differently. So I I do think there's. There's, it's, it's not a apology or confession exactly, but it is them understanding that they're, they're going to get something, um, a little bit different. I mean, we, I, I worked on rag and bone fashion week events and, and content for three years in a row. And I remember when they first came to me and, and I had to, the, the big confession there was, I know absolutely nothing yeah. about fashion and I think it's not a bad thing to to admit these things, and uh, sometimes because their 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 first response was that's exactly what we're right. looking for. You know, we we like that you have not done 
fashion work and things like that, we're looking for something different. We, we want to involve technology in our work in unexpected ways. And we ended up making, you know, AI projects with them and, and, um, LIDAR projects with them and things like that. So, so I think, um, it's, there's no need to pretend exactly, you know, um, can sort of be what you are, but also aspire to do other yeah, things. Yeah. And, and just to kind of put a button on that, what you in essence did was you moved the light, right? In that particular case, you, yeah, you were, you were the, the light, light yeah. and said, well, I'm going to help you go here. Cause I think maybe there's a new answer here to kind of bring it, bring it uh, back full circle there. That's cool. I like, I like extending. Yeah, me too. I love that because I just help, it helps me sort of think of, uh, kind of retain things. But, uh, anyway, this has been super fascinating. I really appreciate it. I think we could probably talk for another hour, but I know you're, you're a busy man and you've got a lot on your plate. So thanks again for making the time to do this. I hope we can uh, stay in touch. I look forward to seeing more of your, uh, amazing work and, uh, yeah, just thanks for being on the show. Yeah, we definitely should. Thank you, Jaime. I'm looking forward to more listening to more, um, interviews and, and to the book someday. Yeah, the book, uh, I'm, I'm working on it in earnest here, and I'm, I'm sure some of these little nuggets are going to make it in there. So I'll be sure to to share those with you, make sure I, I captured the, uh, the essence there. But uh, all right, well, uh, let's keep in touch and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Jaime. All right, take care. And there you have it, folks. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the Books. Thanks to my special guest. Ah, see what I did there? Special guest. Uh, Aaron Duffy for making the time to uh, join the show. It was tough. Uh, he's a busy, busy man. Uh, it was tough getting him on the books, but I took advantage of a small window of time, so we got him in there, uh, and I really appreciate it. I hope you guys just learned a lot um, from him and the way he, that, that he thinks and the way that he approaches the work. I really love the analogy of you know, looking for keys only where the light is. Like, how do we keep that in mind and and figure out ways to move that light around, look for new and interesting spaces to mine for our creative and our clients. So I really love that analogy. And I think that, um, you know, that, that alone is the uh, uh, worth the price of admission. So again, thanks, Aaron. Look forward to staying in touch and seeing all your amazing work. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for tuning in. Again, subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends about it and leave us a rating. Shoot me a note on LinkedIn if there's uh, some content that you want to hear, some questions that you want me to add to the mix. I'm open to it. And uh, until next time, peace and creativity. Make the logo bigger, 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 make it bigger.